I deserve good things. I'm entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I'm an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with the Thunderous Wizard The Thunderous Wizard is a caring nurturer, a member of several Golden Girls fan clubs, and a licensed geriatric sex therapist. We're going to do a terrific pod today, and we're going to help the listener because we're good enough, we're drunk enough, and doggone it, we're dumb enough to watch Stort Saves His Family. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, and thank you for joining us for the 93rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We are the interweb's premier podcast dedicated to poorly reviewed and or financially unsuccessful films. Tonight, as the third installment of our Hops and Saturday Night Flop series, we'll be talking about 1995's Stuart Saves His Family, a complete bomb of a film based on a Saturday Night Live skit and an Al Franken penned book. Seriously, how did this get greenlit? Because doggone it, nobody actually liked this skit, but they thought it was a good idea. Because <laughs> doggone it, Al Franken is probably very persuasive in person. Uh, based on his performance on the house floor, I would say yes. There you go. Joining us on tonight's pod is the aforementioned geriatric sex therapist, the Thunderous Wizard. The doctor said, if I wasn't so fat, I would have been hurt a lot worse. <laughs> You're really good at that voice, Thunderous Wizard. It's, you know, it's funny. The whole time we've had Al Franken on the show, we just didn't know it. Yeah. He just disguises his voice the other times. You know, I've got a lot of free time, as it turns out. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you get you get forced to resign from Congress, and you just got some time to hang out and do a shitty beer podcast. Hey, he not, did it voluntarily because he's a man of principle. It's That's not bad, fair. but it could be a lot more lispy. <laughs> yeah. And we've also got the head of his local Overeaters Anonymous chapter, Captain Cash. I really, I don't have a clever intro because this is a dark, depressing film. This might be the saddest comedy I've ever watched. I can't really call it a comedy. It's more straight drama, but they insert a comedic character into said drama. Uh, Captain Cash, we all know you're a huge fan of the Daredevil show. And if you are wondering the true origins of the Kingpin, that is the father he murdered with the hammer. Uh, no, that actually, that tracks. Yeah, no, that does actually make sense. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it, but man, Vinny D is almost unrecognizable here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it helps you wear sunglasses most of the film, too. But It's uh, a serious mustache. It's that the mustache, and it's mustache. the hair color, too, where he's almost gingery. He's not, but he's like almost. Well, that was a killer 90s haircut, too. Yeah. He's, he's just in wicked good shape in this movie. He is quite I mean, fit and thin. He's trim, looking sharp. Yes. And we've got our resident pot-smoking, basement-dwelling older brother, Mayor McCheese. Hey, now, that's just stinking thinking. 
As always, you can find me dispensing questionable self-help advice on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Gentlemen, where can the listener find you on the socials, dispensing benign and vague self-help platitudes? Uh, you can find me at WriterTLK. You can find me at HBOF McCheese. And as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Where, where do you even begin with this? I'm glad I don't have to host this pod. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like we're starting out on the same kind of uh, energy level that this entire movie keeps throughout. Sort of listless uh, and unsure. Yeah, a little sad, a little I lost. Mean, I, I know where they, you know, I know from reading where they got the idea for Debbie Downer, but I feel like it could easily just be a spinoff of this. That's, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Well, that brings us to beer. And for tonight's pod, I've selected Dogfish Head Craft Brewing's Truth Serum IPA. This beer is a hop lover's delight. It's brewed with four different states of hops, whole leaf, liquefied, pelletized, and powdered. It's certainly hoppy, but it's also very drinkable with a citrusy, juicy IPA flavor. It checks in at an ABV of 7.0 and pours a golden, hazy yellow color with a good bit of head. Um, it smells hoppier than it tastes. It's got a pretty strong aroma. And it's got some solid tropical fruit notes in addition to the massive hops punch that it delivers. Uh, I feel this is a relatively smooth-drinking American-style IPA, and doggone it, people like it. Who doesn't need more truth in their life? So, cheers, gentlemen. Here's the Dogfish Head. They're a fine brewing company. Cheers. I yeah. actually, I was not able to get a hold of the truth serum, if I'm being completely honest, because I feel like that's what we should be on this pod at all times. Well, that's that's why it's truth serum. I'm here to, I'm here to drop some knowledge bombs of truth on you guys. So I got Dogfish Head's costumes in karaoke, which... If I'm being honest, are some of the things I miss most about not being able to go outside right now. Shocker. Yes, but you do them anyway, so you should be. I mean, I still I still do them, but just in my house for myself. Sometimes at the same time. time. I frequently <laughs> at the same time. What what else is like? There was a karaoke place in Japan where you'd go and you'd get to rent a costume. It was great, all in one place. Huh? How disgusting is that costume? Well, that's the thing. Wow. They they had to clean them every time you. Yeah, considering it was also a love hotel, not, not <laughs> great. I mean, probably that, too. <laughs> not great. Uh, so this is how we get a lot of background knowledge on uh, wow. Captain Cash's furry days. Yeah. Uh, I also couldn't get um, the uh, truth serum, so I am, I am indulging in the 90-minute IPA, which is 9% ABV. And I couldn't remember. I think I mentioned it to you guys if I had Dogfish Head before and liked it or forgot about it. But now having this one, I remember that it is it is a very aggressive beer to drink. So I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle bust my way through a handful of these because they also only come in pints. Yeah, and if you're familiar with Dogfish Head, they have a 60 minute, a 90 minute, and a 120 minute IPA, and the ABV goes up with the time. And, uh, yeah, I definitely prefer the 60 minute over the 90, the 60 is much more drinkable. I've had both. So I'm right there with you, Mary McCheese. And I would like to add that just like our president elect dogfish head hails from the lovely state of Delaware. Hi, look at me. I'm in Delaware. I'm in Delaware. Stay tuned for next week. (laughs) 
So if I had to rate this beer, I would give this a too bad movie rating. Very drinkable, and it will certainly help you get through Stuart Saves His Family. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah, I'm, God I'm, darn it, that's the truth. I think I'm giving mine a one. I mean, I don't think I don't think the beer we drink is supposed to give you the spine shivers, but that's what I'm giving every time I try to take a sip of this. Yeah, it's aggressive. This is tough to get through, and I love IPAs. Yeah, you just need to mellow it out with some steel reserve. There you go. But uh, what about you, Captain Cash? What do you rank your dogfish uh, head beer? These costumes and karaoke things are pretty decent. They're 8%, but they are like, they're kind of weirdly spicy. Like, and I don't mean heat, but it, it's got this like cinnamon and other flavors to it. So I'd probably call this a one and a half. It's good. It's just, I actually, I love their worldwide stout. Um, and I've had the 120 minute and those are excellent. But this one is just kind of, it feels very experimental. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, sort of like your house music career. Experimental. DJ Captain Cash, the hottest DJ in the free world. Yeah, true story. Back in our college days, Captain Cash opened for DJ Toad. But that's a story for another day. Yep. This is already more yeah. excitement than this movie. Yeah, you can see how how anxious we are to get to this movie. We just, just keep it... talking about other things. Yeah. All right. Let's let's focus. Tell us about yeah. this movie. Let's tighten it up. Yeah. So here's the tale of the tape. Stuart Saves His Family was released in April of 1995 with a runtime of 99 painfully unfunny minutes, and was rated PG-13. It was produced on a budget of $6.3 million and netted a depressingly low box office total of $912,082. And to less than a million bucks, folks. April of 95. Here are some things that came out. Bad Boys, Rob Roy, A Goofy Movie, Friday, Kiss of Death, and Village of the Damned. Most of those are good. It's the leading did not stand a chance. It's the leaning tower of Chisa. It's a little <laughs> wait a minute. Hey, buddy. So I've seen Bad Boys and I've seen Rob Roy. What were the other ones? Kiss of Death, Basketball Diaries, Friday, Village of the Damned. Dude, I'll, I'll and yeah, I've seen movie. three of those movies. And apparently the goofy movie is supposed to be really good, but I was too old for that stuff by ninety five. I wasn't watching Disney movies. I'll go to bat for Kiss of Death any day of the week. Nicolas Cage bench pressing his girlfriend. <laughs> Top notch. That is entertainment. Chumzil, I hope this doesn't blow up anything in your trivia, but I was reading because there's absolutely no background in this movie that apparently it bombed so hard and was so panned that it actually drove Al Franken back into deep depression. No, that is that is true. That is According to Al Franken himself, he was very disappointed that no one saw this movie. But I think he was a good sport about it. He came back and actually poked fun at it in a Stuart Smalley sketch, you know, after the movie bombed. Oh, did he? So he was, said, yeah, good for yeah, him. Yeah, he, he basically said everybody went and saw uh, Bad Boys. So nobody, nobody <laughs> saw his movie. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I, mean, you know, I think he got over it. But, it, I mean, it's a it, kind of like what we talked about with the MacGruber movie. This is a really strange sketch to try to stretch out to an hour and a half film. Oh, no. Like, this is one of the strangest just, possible sketches to decide to stretch out over an hour and a half film. This movie is the literal opposite of Bad Boys in every way. 
Yeah. Um, so as we indicated, it is based on Al Franken's SNL characters slash skit and subsequent book titled, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Daily Affirmations by Stuart Smalley. So apparently Warren Michaels was like, hey, let's, let's do a Stuart Smalley movie. What do you think, Al? People like your book. People like the skit. Let's do it. Were there uh, other SNL movies coming out in this era? I mean, were they just trying to shell them out because they were having success somewhere else? Well, so Wayne's World was 92. Yeah. Um, Coneheads. Coneheads. Uh, you know, Blues Brothers followed this up. Uh, there was Night at the Roxbury movie. There was The Ladies' Man. All the shitty movies. <laughs> Superstar. In this window. Superstar. <laughs> the Pat when did, movie. When, when did the Pat movie come out? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's Pat. Uh, I, that's probably a terrible impression, but fuck that. Why don't you stick to Stuart Smalley? Stick to yeah. Stuart Smalley, Douglas yeah. Wizard. Yeah. Uh, Pat came out in 94, so preceded this by a year. So Lauren Michaels was just hitting on all cylinders in 94 and 95, just making absolute smash comedies. And I think this is, I think we might have just hit on some, like, the producer's level shit where maybe Lauren Michaels was purposefully pumping out shitty films to tank certain to, sketches. Yeah. To tank on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's Pat $8 million box office of 60 K 60 K. I've so, seen that movie like I, six times. I've never course, seen that movie. Of course you have seen that movie. You probably, hold on. Do you own it on Blu-ray? Like everything else? I have, I do not own it's Pat. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I cannot um, claim that. I got good news for you, buddy. I got you an early birthday present. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Captain Cash is on to something because we've done a lot of bad movies with questionable production budgets on this uh, pod before. And this one's definitely high in the runnings for movies that might have been some sort of like tax dodge slash yeah. like money laundering exercise. <laughs> MacGruber came out literally 15 years later for four million more dollars what the fuck is going on you guys for the record this was the era where it was rumored that sprockets the skit where mike myers was in all black as like a german i, I don't know what he was oh yeah that was yeah, going yeah, to get yeah. a movie sprockets wait i'm sorry you mean mike myers in blackface no, 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 like no, all like, oh, okay. uh, like a like black a turtleneck, head to toe, and he was he would do these oh. weird poses. Sprockets. Think of the nihilists from Big Lebowski. Yes, oh, okay, they were, that. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, now looking at these notes, what did they spend six point three million dollars on? Uh, what well, you mean? Uh, this movie's got all those flashback scenes, and. Uh, that's about the only thing that really stands out that was anything other than just a straight drama filmed in like two different locations. Cause you've got basically got Stewart's apartment in Chicago. You've got the TV studio and you've got his parents' house and everything else is like exteriors. Yeah. yeah everything else is just exteriors and, and, and stuff like that. You've got like three main sets, I guess. Oh, and the restaurant he works at. Uh, Cause he's a waiter. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> Which, which, power through. We're gonna do this. Doggone it! I believe in us. Yeah. Uh, Listen, okay, so please stick with us to get through this. I understand it's gonna be tough, but we're gonna do our best, and probably as we consume more alcohol, we'll hopefully get funnier than this movie has any right to claim it's being. All right, let's try that. I'll test that theory. All right, let's go. So, 
as improbable as this movie is to be based off of a kind of a obscure Al Franken skit on SNL, it was also directed by the usually talented and funny Harold Ramis. After watching this movie, I you know I would assume that Harold Ramis is not a funny person, and or a good director. It it's probably his worst movie. Uh, year like, year I, one exists, but that's funnier than this. Yeah, year one's got some good stuff. It's kind of a dumb movie, but it's got some good jokes in it. So to be fair, though, this movie is not poorly directed per se. It's just utterly devoid of joy or humor. And it was also written by Al Franken himself. So between him and Harold Ramis, there's really nobody else to lay the blame on. Um, this is easily the least funny comedy I have ever seen. Can we even categorize this as a comedy? I don't think this counts as a comedy. Like, has it was anyone marketed as a the, comedy. Has yeah. anyone seen the original skits? I, I will admit I've not seen the original skits, so I don't know if this strays far from the source material, if you will. But at no point, there was maybe two times in this movie I chuckled. And they were like at obscure parts that we'll talk about later. But I don't I don't think this is really something you can classify as a comedy. Well, it was marketed that way. Uh, <clears throat> Mayor McCheese. Sorry, Thunderous Wizard. It was marketed that way. And much like McGruber, you don't get a lot of backstory about Stuart so much in his skits. There's not a lot that the character does. It's just him filming his public access show and, you know, being a kind of a dopey, goofy new age self-help guy there's really it's a one note character there's nothing more to it so they really had to work to expand it to give us this movie because none of this stuff is implied necessarily in the skits and it was also super guest host dependent so who whoever was the guest host of that episode would make the skit like for example when michael jordan hosted and it's stort smalley giving self-help advice to the most successful athlete in the world. Yeah, so that makes that makes sense that makes sense on its face as a skit that might actually work. In this he only and anyway, we'll get to it in the plot but he only does one one-on-one and it's with the woman who plays Pat on SNL and even that is kind of like, huh, you know. It, it, the thing about it to Captain Cash's point and I think you actually mentioned it too McCheese. This movie is like a straight drama aside from Stuart being a goofy character. Like everyone else is like dead serious. They're going through real problems in life. They've got real issues and it's not a happy movie. Oh, and I think that's the thing. It's not like Stuart is a little out there, but Al Franken plays it completely straight as far as Stuart's characterization. Like, everyone around him perceives him as a joke, but Stuart is genuinely just trying to do his best. And for me, I think that's where this this failed, where MacGruber somewhat succeeded, in that the kind of jokey dickhead character of MacGruber you don't have to like, right? He's supposed to be a hate sink. It's really hard to dislike Stuart because all he's trying to do is the right thing the entire time. And he tries to go about it in maybe a simpering way, but he's genuinely a nice person the whole time. At least he's trying to be, right? Yeah. He's, he's so, really trying to, to help the people around him. So it's kind of like you watch this dude get the shit kicked out of him for like 90 minutes and you're like, the fuck did I just watch? That wasn't funny at all. And there's not really like a big, you know, 
resolution in the film either. It just kind of, it just kind of ends. It's the problem is, yeah, he's a nice guy and you're rooting for him. It's everybody else. That's a hate sink for the most part. And they're just abusing this guy. And yeah, there really is no concrete resolution for the most part. So why did you spend 90 minutes watching him try to go out of his way to save his family? I don't know. Well, to your point there, Thunderous Wizard, not a lot of people did spend 90 minutes trying to figure that out, uh, <clears throat> trying to figure that out. Uh, the movie was a total flop at the box office. Like I said, it made less than a million bucks, and it was only in theaters for a few weeks before it was mercifully pulled. Rotten Tomatoes has it ranked at 30% with a user score at 52, which seems a little high, not going to lie. Yeah. Metacritic. That's, it's way higher than MacGruber's. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, this is barely a movie. At least MacGruber was a movie. Metacritic gives it a 54 with no user score on file. That was a new one for me. I've never seen that before. No users have ranked this movie on Metacritic. That could be us. Oh, man, what do you want it to be? We can make it anything. Ugh. Let's go hundreds across the board. Yeah. Yes. Straight oh, my down. God, yes. Uh we're, listen, we're going to revive this, and Al Franken is going to come on the pod, and we're going to chat about what happened. I, 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 hey, if we get this to a 10 on Metacritic, I think we need to, you know, for the user score, we should probably at Al Franken and let him know that we're supporting him. Um, but, you know, I did a little bit of research on this movie. There's not a lot of information on it. But oddly enough, at the time of its release, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up, and they seemed to think it worked, was a smart and clever movie, and a good movie. So I have to soundly disagree. I don't think this is a good movie, and I don't think it worked. Um, this movie stinks, and that's not just stinking thinking. This movie simply does not work as a comedy. I suppose after enough truth serums, I could view this as a black comedy, but even then, I think that's a pretty big stretch. Do yeah, you guys I mean, agree? Well, I mean, even, I guess Stuart is supposed to come off as very dry, and that's his comedic angle, but... Most of the time, it's just sad. I mean, the whole time you're just watching this dude get dumped on, and you're like, Jesus Christ, nothing is ever going to work out for this guy. It's not funny. Again, I laughed twice, and most of the time I just watched him like, God, this is so sad. There's over five scenes where he's just sitting in his bed surrounded by chips. That happens well, multiple times news. because he's so depressed because everything sucks. Hey, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. College Mayor McCheese can relate to that, but mostly with pizzas. <laughs> you wouldn't have been surrounded by the pizzas because you usually spent your trip back down High Street throwing them at cars. But and the next <laughs> not, day you were you were generally in a much better mood and much better spirits than Stort is throughout most of these scenes where he's just like stuck to his mattress crying while his 15 life coaches hang out outside the door. So here's my thing with this movie. It does have an arc, but it's, it's very subtle. And I like at the end of the day, it does sort of work out for Stuart on a personal level. So that like, I don't know if you want to talk about it now or after like, yeah, let's do on the film. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's do that after the plot. But you, I also think the brother has a good arc, too. Yeah, but again, Stewart is the, the least obvious. clear. Yeah, he has the most obvious. And, and let's get to the cast now, because let's talk about who the brother is. 
I was about to say, we have spent entirely too much time to not get to the plot at this point. <laughs> yeah, yes, we have. Luckily, the plot will be pretty quick. Hopefully, so people are the... drinking every time that they're like, come on, move along, yeah. guys. You know, it's bad. It's already beer number two for Chumzilla. Okay, let's talk about the cast. Obviously, the headliner is Al Franken, is Stuart Smalley. We've got Laura, I swear I'm not Fran Drescher, San Giacomo as Julia, Stuart's AA sponsor and plot-required love interest. That was a little weird. Uh, we got Vincent D'Onofrio as Donnie Smalley, Stuart's pot-smoking degenerate older brother. And we've got two-time Academy Award nominee Shirley Knight as Stuart's mother. Back in the day, that lady was a fox, let me tell you. I mean, she's no Estelle Getty, but okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. And we've also got Julia It's Pat Sweeney as Maya C. Get it? Like Maya Culpa. It's it's a joke. She says sorry a lot. Okay, and there's plenty of other recognizable comedic and or character actors in this, but I don't care enough to list all of them. This movie's just not worth it. It's essentially what they are is take any SNL or B-list comedy from the 90s and all of the not major characters are in this as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the usual suspects. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and most of them play their roles quite well. Um, Wait a so minute. Anyway. You didn't say Harris Eulen? The Scolari brothers! I gave them both <laughs> a chair! <laughs> yeah, no, the dad, the dad, yeah. he And he he's great in his role. He's definitely, he's the most easily unlikable character in the movie, and he's supposed to be. He's the awful, abusive patriarch of the Smalley family. And uh, so... That brings us to one-liners. IMDb describes the movie as follows. A self-help advocate struggles to put his dysfunctional family in its place. I, I sort of, yeah, okay, that works. It's kind of phoning it in, but sure. I mean, how else do you describe this other than prepare to be sad for 90 minutes? Uh, I would say yeah. you get at least five cross-state bus trips all of which I'd prefer to be on than watch this movie ever again. Yes, I'd rather take the bus from Chicago to Minnesota a million times over than ever watch this again. I don't feel like that's as far as you think that is. Well, it's longer than this. That's true. Is it? And I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah. And yeah. may I remind you, hours, you're riding on a public bus. So. Yeah. I took a mega bus probably from Chicago. Like pee. Yeah, I took a megabus from Chicago to St. Louis, and the bathroom was broken on the bus, and that was probably slightly more enjoyable than watching this movie. Oh, no. All right, this movie to right. me is, uh, what happens if the world just kicks the shit out of Mr. Rogers for 90 minutes? <laughs> and, yeah, that works. Uh-huh. All right. What say you, Mary McCheese? So mine is, poor Stuart Smalley is a down-on-his-luck, compulsive ex-addict who gets put in charge of his even worse family, and in the end, maybe ends up saving one of them? Yeah. At least himself. For me, that's, at the end of the day, he manages to save himself. Yeah, but the title of the movie is Stuart Saves His Family. <laughs> like, you can you can chewhorn himself in there, but you gotta figure by the title alone that he's already saved himself. Yeah. yeah. And, he, yeah. and his only real addiction is overeating. Just in case you hadn't caught that. Does anyone sure. understand what the what the uh, you know they all have their own acronyms? What's the family one? He calls it like Alcon or something. 
Al-Anon. It's just alcohols. Al- yeah. <laughs> excuse me, Alcoholics Anonymous. That's just another AA. Uh, no, I thought I term. thought there was one for. There was, thought there was an abbreviated version for like the uh, abusive family one. Yeah, well, no, there is uh, the long-haired hippie-looking younger um, sponsor was for children of alcoholics, but I don't okay. think they've given an abbreviation. But he does refer to Alcoholics Anonymous as Al-Anon. And maybe not, that was the one I not was screwing a, up. Yeah. My apologies, my apologies. Yeah, which is just a slightly dated uh, reference because most people call it AA, not Al-Anon. But anyway, uh, so here's my one-liner. Stuart Saves His Family is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad movie and should be avoided at all costs and maybe sent to Australia. <laughs> I just felt like that fit. So that brings us to the plot. Um, the movie opens with Stuart, a 12-step program enthusiast and wannabe self-help guru, losing his self-help public access TV show in Chicago, which causes him to fall into a deep depression and surround himself with Fig Newtons. Anyway, while wallowing in self-pity, he learns his aunt has died and he must return home to Minnesota for the funeral. Stuart becomes entangled in his family's dysfunctional drama and a messy property easement problem involving his late aunt's house. After screwing up the easement negotiations, he returns to Chicago to lick his wounds and reunite with his best friend and confidant, Julia, who is also his Al-Anon sponsor. I do want to I do want to shoehorn myself in here to explain. I, I'm going to try to get in some of the jokes I enjoyed. One of them is when he's explaining his family's bad luck with alcohol and roofs. I did. Yes. I did enjoy the mini clip of how, you know, several of his family members died in roof related accidents. And the last one was probably some asshole uncle or cousin just uh-huh. hacking, just hacking away at a tree that clearly has electrical lines buried in, it. Yeah. in the big elm. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, so he did fall off the roof, but the doctor said he technically died before he hit the ground. So, yeah, but. that mini bit, I, I got a chuckle out of that was one of very few. And to be honest, that's at the very beginning of the movie. So you kind of expect that's the tone that's going to carry forward. It's kind of like, ha ha, funny, sad and tragic, but a little more slapsticky. Yeah, but it's just sad and tragic from there on out. Not so much. Ha ha. OK, so <laughs> after Julia reveals her long lost biological father made a pass at her after meeting her for the first time. Oh, she suggests. Oh, no, no, no. Let's. <laughs> That's we a hard pause for just a minute that. because that is like I get the sense that's supposed to be funny, but it's just pitch black and depressing. Yeah, where that, I mean, that's several levels of fucked up. Yeah, like, that's straight up. And of course, we made her have an abortion. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> out yeah. of a group. Like, Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> how she was adopted and how she's you know finally tracked down her father. Who's got a whole other she's life? Not a, she's not. A, she's not adopted. Her, her her mom cheated on her dad. Oh, that's right. Excuse me. Because her dad was an alcoholic and absent. Yeah. You know, at least you know from the from the familiar unit. Excuse me. Yeah. Familiar unit. Familial unit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, take, take it easy, Vin Diesel. Familial, not familia. 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 You're drinking like a Corona on the beach right now, getting ready to street race. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I live my life one quarter mile at a time. I live my life, hopefully one less incest joke at a time. Yeah, but like, so she goes through this whole process of meeting her biological father, and the end of it is, and then he made a pass at me. And it's did just any like, 
did anyone see that coming from a mile away? And like the whole time she's telling the story in my head, as I'm watching it on my couch, I'm going, please, please don't, don't do that. Try, yes. Please don't oh. say he tried to hit on you. Please don't say he tried to hit on you. And then he's like, he made a pass at me. And I was like, oh, uh, like, immediate Picard face palm. Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. This, yeah. This movie's so dark. I was like 95% certain that his favorite aunt had also molested him. Because he, he's like, oh, she used to rub my back, and I remember that. And then she tells that story, and I'm like, he's going to come back with the aunt molested him, isn't he? God <laughs> damn this movie. I mean, after they open the door in that scene, the rest of the movie, you're like, please, 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 don't do another one of that, like, that take, because that's not funny. And it's so fucking dark that it makes everything uncomfortable. She does yeah. make a joke later about her family. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's literally like a, a record scratch moment in real life. You're like, whoa, wait, what? And then right after that, he's like, well, when you need me, I'll be your dad and you can be my mom. And I'm like, that is also probably not healthy. Uh, yeah. And again, I get that it's the female lead and the male lead in a movie before 1999 yeah. or whatever, whatever Captain Cash's rule is. So it's like, okay, I guess they're going to have to be romantic at some point, but they literally do no legwork. They are totally platonic throughout the entire movie until they share a kiss in the end. Oops. I'm giving away the ending, but we seriously, still... they have no romantic chemistry. It's a very codependent, like That's friendly so relationship ruined it for me. If they'd have just let it be a platonic thing, it would have made sense. Why didn't we do Coneheads? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. No. Uh, yeah. So after she makes the 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 Jerry Springer comment about her dad, she suggests that Stewart send a tape of his canceled show to the health cable network to see if they pick it up. The plan is successful. HCN picks up the show. Things are looking up for Stewart. But then the botched easement negotiation comes back to haunt him. Stewart is forced to return to Minnesota for a court hearing, and it goes poorly when Stewart refuses to perjure himself. Stewart returns to Chicago again, only to be called back to Minnesota because of his alcoholic father having shot his brother in a drunken deer hunting accident. And uh, this accident causes Stewart's brother, Donnie, to have an epiphany. And again, this is Donnie played by the almost unrecognizable Vincent D'Onofrio. True, true story. Uh, his dad was based on Bobby Knight and also inspired Dick Cheney to shoot his friend. Yeah. So Donnie has his epiphany. He finally realizes their father has a drinking problem and he himself personally gives up booze and drugs. Stewart and his family decide to stage an intervention for their father in a way too serious scene. I mean, this is seriously like, what the fuck is going on? What is this movie supposed to be? This was like an intervention straight out of like, intervention on TLC like it wasn't funny it wasn't played for laughs it was like a dead serious and I think a pretty realistic portrayal of an yeah. intervention for a comedy yep. it's it's dark and there's some not so subtle allusions to when we get home I'm gonna beat the shit out of you wife for dragging me into this under false pretenses yeah no that is Watching this movie is almost as uncomfortable as sitting through someone else's intervention, but that scene alone where he's like, we'll be talking about this at home, you're like, oh. so Oh, no. Like, we all are under the, we all kind of understand now that he's going to just be, he's going to get drunk and beat the shit out of his wife because she tried to tell him that he has a problem. Cool. Nice movie. Thanks. And, it's great, great comedy. And she doesn't necessarily want him to 
go to this intervention herself either. It's the children that are making her. Mom is definitely, you know, uh, an enabler. She's like, she's trying to, she's trying to weasel out of it. Like, Oh, I don't know. Is, is it really worth all the trouble? You know, she's obviously enabling this behavior because she doesn't want to confront him. Yeah. Uh, for a movie based upon an SNL sketch, like you don't have to make this intervention as real as humanly possible where you've got the flip-flopping family member, you've got the dad who's combative and uh, threatening in a way. He, he insults, he insults like the entire family. Yeah. Like when they, when they, when they say, Hey dad, your drinking's hurting us. He, he, he just turns back and attacks them. Like, well, you're fat and you're stupid. And, and like the title of the movie alone and me hoping that something good finally happened in this movie was hoping, just hoping that maybe like this intervention would have gone the way where they would have said something compelling because essentially they all just phone it in. They don't even give real excuses of why the, the father's drinking is ruining their lives. And at the end, he leaves and you're like, well, no one is saved and it got even worse. Congrats, everybody. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that intervention was particularly successful. Um but it was an intervention and they even bring in like a court ordered angle too. like, oh, dad, you got to do this or they're going to put you in jail. That's the only thing that really motivated him. They threatened him with jail and he's like, okay, well, I'll think about it. So, it didn't motivate him. He was just like, I'll see you at home. No, he, he'd consider it at least. <laughs> um, so we also get a somewhat interesting kind of dream sequence here where Stuart reveals he's had a reoccurring dream most of his life in which he saves his father from falling off the roof. Uh, and they share a tender moment while he's cradling his father in his arms. They, they make eye contact, and it's an expression of love. And that's the only time, I think, that Stuart has probably ever shared that kind of connection with his father in his dreams. Right, one, because we're going to need these. Jesus. Two, this is, this is the second chuckle I had, because the father is like softly lowered into his arms in such a goofy way that I actually laughed during that. But... Yeah, no, it's a scene. I mean, it uh, did it. It did not speak highly to Al Franken's bicep strength, how wired he was still while cradled in his arms. Oh, I mean, no, that, that dude's pretty big too. I mean, yeah. he's not—he's not a small man. Either so way, goes, it, so, I, so, I got to laugh out of it too. So. It, it's a dream sequence. I, I I can accept it being a little wonky, but again the only time Stuart feels as though his father has expressed the sentiment of love towards him is in his dreams. Yeah. And that's what Stuart has to hang on to. And that's how he, that's how he God. kind of remembers his father. Like that's what gets yeah. him through. I, I, it, it's like, Hey, that, it's an interesting scene. Cause it calls back to the smally men falling off roofs from the beginning of the movie, as McCheese pointed out, which was played for laughs. So then it's sort of goofy. Like you said, thunderous wizard that he the way he floats into his arms but like the explanation the that you get the exposition dump over the dream sequence is super depressing again folks yeah. this is a comedy and there is no resolution between father and son after this bizarre black and white dream and there's no joke it's not a joke it's just a there's and i nothing. dream that i saved my dad and i dream that my dad loves me and that's what sustains me okay fuck all right um <laughs> Uh, yeah. This so, is a frantically checks notes 
comedy? Comedy. So Stuart returns to Chicago after announcing he won't be coming home for Christmas uh, at the bus station to his, his brother and sister. Stuart, uh, back in Chicago now, recaps his recent trip home on his television show and tells his audience that he'll be spending the holidays with his friends because he knows his family will never have a Norman Rockwell Christmas or anything for that matter. So there's the personal growth for Stuart. He realizes finally his family is fucked up and he should probably just take care of himself. Stuart shares a moment with uh, several of his sponsors and other characters. And of course we do get that kiss with his now love interest, I suppose. And uh, he discusses making holiday plans with her and his brother shows up again. Donnie is showing probably the most growth in this movie. He too has decided being at home is toxic and it's better for his life and mental health to be away from that. And probably for a while. So he comes to stay with Stuart. And so Stuart now has made a new family. So perhaps that's the family he saves. Yes. I mean, the that's what he made along the way toward. Yeah. That, that his, his real family is the circle he has created with his positivity. But I just, I want to again, stress, how frustrated I was that they decided that that needed to be, uh, like, again, it was pre-99, you had a male lead, you had a female lead, they had to be romantically involved. But, like, her whole thing is that her father figures keep letting her down. And I realize the difference in age between Al Franken and Laura San Giacomo is, like, 10 years. So it's not... It's not quite father, but when you look at the two of them on screen, you absolutely think that dude's old enough to be her dad. It's not yeah. quite <laughs> Ten years isn't too bad. We've done some really bad ones on this I mean, show. It, it's not Stallone, but man, it's... But just the appearance of it, yeah. and how she's clearly traumatized, and that probably trying to start a romantic relationship with this person is not the move, Stuart. Uh, and it's also worth pointing out that Stuart does, you know, get sexually assaulted by Pat. So, you know, uh, what I think really is funny about that scene at the end when it comes to the love interest angle, he knows enough to fend off the advance from uh, Maya C. Uh, and he obviously has feelings for uh, Julia or whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, but he's never really expressed any romantic interests in the entire movie. Every, again, everything he has done with every character has been platonic. He loves his friends. He supports his friends, but he's not a sexual thing. Like, Oh he no. He doesn't yeah. appear to have sexual that's, desires that's 100% at all. percent the movie going no homo. Well, well, we're, we're supposed that, to, but, but he just, they just like kiss like, wait a minute. What? Like she yeah, hasn't even shown any romantic interest in him until that scene. We're supposed to assume that they're a couple at the end, right? Because of that kiss. Well, the kiss and they're making holiday plans together. No, it, I... that is that is it is a hundred percent unnecessary. Like yes. they don't they 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 have a perfectly fine thing as being best like best friends who are flawed humans. They don't need to be romantically yeah. involved at the end of the movie, considering the movie leaves so many other things unfinished that are way more important. Considering he's got three family members who are probably at the verge of either killing each other. I I didn't read it as they were romantically entwined so much as they were like plutonic life mates. Platonic. I will say this. I think the movie would have been more comedic and maybe like realistic if when Brother Donnie shows up, Julia kind of swoons for him and, you know, 
<clears throat> Stuart has to go, oh, you guys, like that would have been funnier than them sharing a kiss. Cause one is sort of makes sense. She falls for a bad boy. And obviously, you know, Donnie's trying to make good and whatnot. And Stuart would just be like, that'll be my next adventure. You know, and Donnie you is too. somewhat a sexual being where Stuart is not at all. He expresses no interest in any kind of romantic love. Right, right. It just it would have been it would have been funny. It would have been a joke, but yes. obviously this movie's not funny, so that wouldn't have been <laughs> But this movie wasn't interested in jokes at all. No. So, okay. <clears throat> Hold on. Before we, we before we get to our ratings, I want it to be said on record and we might talk about it in the general impressions. We don't know what happens to the dad. I'm sure it's bad. We don't know what happens to the mom. I'm sure it's bad. We don't know what happens to Jody, and I'm sure it's bad. So Stuart again only maybe saves Donnie. Okay, I'm gonna assume that mom and dad's, you know, the arc involves some domestic violence, and Jody's involves a pound cake. And I well, think no, I'm probably safe remember, on both those bets. Remember, no, early on in the in Jody's story, they're talking about her getting back with her most recent husband, who beats her. He, right. Yes, she's still going to eat pound cake. But for the record, he also gives her his share of whatever money they've gotten, because right, money I mean, is inconsequential guess... to him. So he helps her in a way, under the pretense that maybe she'll stop dating bastards. Yeah, I mean, I I, I but... don't know if I wasn't paying attention or if it wasn't direct enough to catch my attention, but it's I, I, didn't a, know, it... I didn't know if they actually got to a finale with selling the ant's house and how that helped anybody. Yeah, he, no, they, did, that, they did. The yeah. easement went back down to the, just the ten grand. He, yeah, I know that, but then I don't know whatever happened. I guess uh, maybe at that train scene when he leaves or That's the bus when, scene. Yeah, it's like yeah, such I, a throwaway thing. I, well, yeah, yeah I, I was paying so little attention that I just assumed that they kind of like blah 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 it. They did. They absolutely did. Yeah, they, they just rush it. He has no real emotional connection with any of his family aside from his brother, which I guess is why that's the one that wraps up in the end. But his sister's kind of a hot mess the whole movie. His mom is a is a naive moron, and his dad's Enabler. an abusive piece Enabler. of shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. she's so, an enabler. Like, there's no resolution with his parents, and the sister there sort of is because he gives her money, which is actually really only enabling her poor behavior because she's going to make mistakes again if she hasn't learned her lesson, which she clearly hasn't because she's been married four times or whatever it is. This movie in the pod is way too heavy. I feel like it's, I need a shower. It's super dark. It's a it's super like, dark movie. I'd like it, to also now point out before we get to the ratings that we didn't even talk about the toxic relationship between Stuart and his mom because yeah. she, she tries to destroy his confidence like at every turn. Well, I mean, it's, and, so and get, it's so complex. It's so complex. We get flashback spend... scenes dedicated to how his parents, both his mother and his father, have destroyed his confidence throughout his life. Well, and both his siblings. Like they sit there and they tear on him in all of the flashbacks, and like him trying to be at least slightly of a better person, and them just shitting all over him. Like we could spend a lot more time diving into that, but I don't know how sad we want this pod to be. But this it, movie it, needs a shower like in Spider-Verse, where it's just a fully clothed, racking sobs in the shower cry. It reminds me of that Simpsons skit where Homer tells Bart, like, the real lesson's not to try. <laughs> like, that's the message this movie gives you, you know? And that's why that's why you shouldn't try, kids. All right, let, let's it, get you're to always going to fail. Let's get to the beer rankings because I'm very intrigued on what you guys are going to give this thing. Oh, jeez. Okay, so the beer rankings. Gentlemen, 
What are your ratings? Captain Cash, let's start with you. I Listen, I'm not going to give this a six-beer rating. Five beers. This is, Five beers. This is not, like, it, it's over quick, so that's good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm going to piggyback. I, like, these are all pain beers. And I like I want to keep it at like a two because the movie is so depressing that adding alcohol to it cannot help anything, especially yeah. with a movie that has tons of themes around alcohol abuse. Like I'll chug six beers doing that terrible Nutcracker movie just because I was so mad that I had to watch it. <laughs> this movie, like watching it, I was just getting more and more depressed that I didn't even drink watching this at all. I was just like, God damn, this is. This is so disheartening because this isn't fake. Like people go through this shit and like I didn't, you know, I, I'm going to stick it with two pain beers just to get you through the 90 minutes. But I don't think you want to put more alcohol on top of that just because it's so fucking depressing. Yeah, I mean, I it was drinking watching this movie the other night and I was, you know, at several instances, I looked down at the drink in my hand and I'm like, maybe I should set this down. You know, maybe, maybe maybe I've had enough for the night. Like, I, yeah. uh, maybe I don't need any more of this. Like, this movie will scare you straight, man. It is that dark and depressing. And you see these sad people hurting the ones around them and the ones that love them. It's, it's well, rough. I do have a question. Do you have any roof work or hunting trips in your future? Uh, you know what? I do my best to stay off the roof, and I don't own a gun. So that's a no and a no. I think you're okay, then. I think I'm safe. Thunderous Wizard, what's your beer rating? Uh, three pain beers. It's It's a strikingly unfunny movie created by a man who's very funny and very smart and someone I respect a great deal and uh, just uh, there's just no there's no fun to be had here at all no this so is have not three a fun beers movie. get you know one per 30 minutes get it over with and sort of wonder what the hell happened with this thing because I don't know I wasn't that big of a fan of the skits but I would think they could have come up with some better material than this. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later, but I think there is some pretty big issues with how they framed everything. So for me, this was a six beer movie, all pain beers. And like I said, I questioned the beer in my hand a few times watching this, but I, it didn't stop me because um, I needed to numb myself because this movie is seriously dark at times and it's really depressing. It, it, really doesn't have like a climax or a resolution. It's just kind of, well, you know, life's just that way sometimes. And we just, you just keep on keeping on. And, and I like, want to oh talk about God. that when we talk about general overviews, because yeah. in that way, it's kind of beautiful. I, I will say to tack on to, before we go into the break, this is a watch it, have two beers and then find out what, relationship you want to try to work on in your life and call that person <laughs> yeah, go, yeah go call your mom all right let's take a break before diving even further into our general impressions and plus i need to freshen up my fig newton supply and my oreo supply yeah so we'll see you guys on the flip side Welcome back, folks, to our 93rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Again, as part of our Hops and Saturday Night Flop series, we're talking about Stuart Saves His Family. Too bad the movie's not called Stuart Saves His Family from a shitty movie. We've just heart, covered heart, the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've just covered the plot, and now we're going to get to our general impressions, or 
further into our general impressions. Um, I want to start with my basic generic questions, guys. We'll just go quick round table here. Uh, would you recommend watching this movie? Nope. Yeah, uh, I can't. I, I can't recommend watching this movie. I, I feel like there are layers to this movie where you could maybe learn to appreciate it, but you're going to have to work real, real hard at it. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I would also not recommend seeing this movie. There are better versions of what this movie does well, so there's no reason to watch this one. Because, again, this is a failed comedy. It's not meant to be a dramedy. Yeah, watch Garden State. At least a serious dramedy. Yeah, watch Garden State. Watch Sling Blade. Covers a lot of the same ground. Uh, anyway, uh, did this movie deserve to flop? Yep. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason this should have succeeded. Especially, like, we, we went over what this opened against. No reason that this should have succeeded. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. This skit was not fit for 90 minutes. Not even close. No, and I think they totally mishandled it. Uh, it's just not a comedy, which is what they marketed it as. And guys, remember, this came from a Saturday Night Live skit. That is a comedy variety show. That is a sketch comedy show. This is supposed to be funny. This is rooted in comedy. This movie is not funny. It's not a comedy. It's a dark family drama with a goofy character inserted as the protagonist. Plus, the only character, at least in my opinion, with any real emotional growth is D'Onofrio's big brother, Donnie. I mean, he gives up booze, he calls out his dad, and he decides to get away from his toxic family. He makes choices that work for him and chooses a better path. I mean, so, Stuart just kind of treads water and decides, well, I'm just not going home to Christmas this year. See, I... I, I agree that D'Onofrio's character is the one that has the most visible arc where he he decides, hey, I'm not going to be addicted to these things any longer. I'm going to try to do better. But Stewart, I think, has the more subtle and maybe in some ways more profound realization because it's a lot more human and a lot more real, but consequently is a lot more dark and less like happy ending that you know what? I can't really save my entire family by myself. I have to be the one who I have to look after myself. And in doing so, I can help a bunch of other people with my show. So there's this kind of weird, like not, not weird even it's, there's this, this very human resolution of, yes, my family is completely screwed up. No, I can't help all of them. And I have to be able to move past this idea that I'm some kind of white knight savior. And I think what you're you're laying out here is that all of that is basically delivered to us via uh, an exposition dump at the end of the movie. Yes. It's basically just explained to us. We don't really see it. And it doesn't really have like an impact on Stuart that we get to feel or see. He just kind of tells us. So it just doesn't feel as visceral as, okay, you can tell that Donnie is, you know, he, he has a much more personal expression of his growth. So okay. yeah, that's fair. I'm going to fix this movie for you guys. On the second meeting with Roz, his ex boss, um, where he steals the tape, instead of coming back and calling her a vagina, he goes full falling down and just starts murdering everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that would have probably worked. Yeah, Stuart snaps. 
It's not. I mean, yeah. we got to change the title of the movie because he's not going to be saving anything. But we could probably work an angle where he tries to be the good guy. The world shits on him, so he says, "All right, I'm going to take matters into my own hands." Again, I I think that makes it like at the end of the day, you have to realize this isn't a comedy, and as soon as you do that, this movie becomes sort of darkly beautiful. Like it's still not good. It's still just very sad. Uh, you know what? If you if you want that, just go watch American Beauty. Yeah, it's not a good. Don't call it beautiful. It's not good. Yeah, we fun. we we don't bring up Kevin Spacey on this pod. Screw that guy. I'm not sure what to make of your praise here. <laughs> this movie is not no, beautiful, I, like in any sense. Is it dark? Yes. Is it beautiful? No. I mean, Stuart does Stuart does show some growth where he has some good things happen to him, but that's not even the title of the movie or the point. I mean, yeah, it's still trying to be funny. It it's it's really trying. Its comedy just doesn't fucking work. No, no. Again, yeah. as a comedy, it's... this absolutely does not work. So... As a as a drama, maybe. Yeah, I would. Disagree. That's all I'm trying to say. Disagree. Well, no, I'll go back to my previous point, and I think you're on to something there, Captain Cash. I do think this movie is actually smart in some of the way it handles the family dynamic. And if you have a serious character inserted instead of Stuart, this becomes a serious movie about a flawed family. But you've got Stuart Smalley from the SNL skit in it, and it's supposed to be funny, and it's not. And it's really weird. It's just... Tonally, it just doesn't work. So that brings me to my final question. Did this movie achieve what it set out to do? And I'll answer first on this one. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I, I frankly can't tell what they were trying to do here because it's definitely not funny, but they also don't try really hard to make jokes. It's not like they have jokes in this that just bomb. It's just it's not funny, and the little bits of humor they give you aren't enough to balance out the dark material that's also there so you know uh you know it, it is touching and emotionally weighty at points but it's just not funny and so much of what goes on is not important to Stewart's growth so to me that means the movie didn't work it just didn't it didn't pay off there was no aha or ah great you know feeling in this there's no resolution there's no resolution in this movie it just kind of ends and life just kind of goes on yeah i mean choose your fighter be a comedy or be a drama <laughs> i mean you're not either of those at this point and if you're gonna if you're gonna do the comedy do it in a farley brothers way where there's some upbeat story and you can actually have al franken be the straight guy but a lot of zany and goofy shit happens and there's a happy ending or have it be a drama where Stuart actually helps his family through a bunch of these really real-life emotional issues that people can connect to, and at the end, there's some sort of resolution or at least an ending. And this, there's no real comedy other than a couple of little, you know, odds and end gags, and there's no real resolution other than Stuart gets his shit together, his brother seems to get his shit together, and we're just hoping his the rest of his families don't kill each other. Uh, yeah. I don't so marketed as a comedy. No, this fucking falls flat on its face. That's super easy to do. Like and and I can't help but think part of this is because we're 25 years removed of when this came out. 
that the idea that someone could just be nice would be inherently funny. And maybe that's that's what we're missing here. Like, again, Stuart Smalley is unquestionably a decent human just trying to do his best. But he he's so, I guess, peculiar or whatever that that's supposed to be the joke. Well, the, the, the joke, though, is that he's just a new age huckster, that it's all fluff. Like, he's not really a self-help guru. He just barfs up, like, bland, general positivity platitudes like that's that's the joke in the skit is that he's a cornball right but at the same time he he's a hundred percent sincere in that which makes it harder to laugh at it's a lot more like cringy sad than it is ha-ha funny which is again I, i make the comparison to mcgruber where another example of the protagonist is kind of a fuck up and whatever, but they're a dick, so it's easier to laugh at them. Like, this guy's whole stick is, he doesn't really know what he's doing, but he's genuinely trying to be a nice person, and it's a lot harder to look at that and go, ha-ha, fuck you. You know? Yeah, It just fair. is. There's nothing else I can say about this movie that already hasn't, that already has not been said, so... To trivia time. <laughs> trivia yeah, well, I was there. I, I got one more thing I wanted to say about this movie, and you know, in terms of where it went wrong, this movie definitely has a drama script at its heart. It's not a comedic script. The flashbacks and some of the the gags—that's the only real attempt at humor they make, and that's fine. That that would fit in a, a, a drama as well. Uh, but you know, what they really tried to do here. They just take a drama script and they drop an oddball character into it. They just shoehorned in, you know, Stuart, basically. I'm saying he might as well have been Happy Gilmore. And I don't think this movie would have been any worse. You could take an Al Franken out of this movie and put Adam Sandler in it. And it would have been the same thing. Like, this was just a bad idea. They just took a, a serious script and they tried to base it around an oddball character. And it just doesn't work. I, I would disagree and say, like, you could do it with this character. You just need a better script and a plot. Like, have the plot have some sort of meaning and figure out a way to make comedy work into it instead of just having it be so mundane and bland from start to finish. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have hurt the movie. My point is Adam Sandler wouldn't have hurt this movie. No, I mean, drop Chris Farley into it and it would be a thousand times better. That's just that's a good point. Have a narrative focus. Why is he going back and forth and back and forth? Have him lose his job, go to Minnesota, fix shit there, figure out or, oh wait, or not. my life isn't a lost cause, goes back to Chicago, steals the fucking tape, saves his goddamn show, then his brother shows up. We go back and, and forth and back and forth and back and forth because they don't know what they want to do. They don't. Yeah, I mean- I, th- I think yes. we mentioned it yes. when we were watching it together this week. The movie is essentially based around an easement argument, and they could have used that in a much funnier way if he would have stayed there, and like they would have gone back and forth with the old neighbor, or there was something. But like they just keep jumping locations for no reason, and like working in his depression again for no reason. It doesn't add to anything. And by the way, an easement dispute, not comedy gold. Newsflash. 
yeah. Well, no, and I think they felt like it gave the movie. I mean, if I had to try to put myself in Harold Ramis's shoes, and and Al Franken's, I'm assuming they felt like, oh, this back and forth thing gives the movie structure, it gives it some cadence. No, it's just fucking choppy and annoying. But anyway, uh, real quick here, favorite joke or scene in the movie? What do you got for us, Captain Cash? There's got to be something that stood out. I mean, I, I hate to repeat the stuff about, you know, like the one full-on gag where people are falling off the roofs. No, that's fair. Because that, that was the very obvious joke that didn't make me feel bad because I, I think we glossed this over. The reason they're falling off the roofs are because they're completely drunk in the afternoon. Yes. That's the whole thing. So you don't... Like, Who would ever do that? Yeah, you don't... Like, you're not... Like, they're, they're set up to not exactly be the nicest people to begin with. So yeah. it, it's easier to have a, a chuckle here than yeah. it is at any other point in the film. And that's important because it happens first five minutes well right it comes on the front end before we get any of the dark stuff yes the really dark stuff this was the 90s where you could still make alcoholism funny and yep. yet they don't make it funny except for the part where his uncles are falling off the roof then his dad just becomes like a real fucking monster <laughs> well i mean and they uh, it's tough to work that angle and maybe it's just because we're viewing it in 2021 but like the first scenes we see with the dad and the brother, the dad is getting a, in a literal handle of rum or whiskey out of the freezer and just dumping it into a cup. And you're like, oh, he's a drunk. Oh, look at him. Yeah, yeah he's just pounding a tumbler of liquor at 9 a.m. Um, <clears throat> I will say that uh, I did think it was brave of them to play the intervention scene straight. Like, although it doesn't work in a comedy, they didn't turn that into a joke. Like, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. They, they did have some emotional weight in that scene in terms of the family coming ter to terms with the father's drinking. All right, Thunderous Wizard, favorite scene or joke? What do you got? Yeah, I've got two scenes. I guess the one is sort of fat shaming, but it was still funny within the context of the movie where his sister calls and she's all upset because the dad has shot the brother. And he's like, I, I wouldn't normally say this, but is there a bunt cake like readily available? <laughs> yeah. We need you to eat your feelings. That was a Go. super 90s joke. But then when he gets hit by the car as a young child and he says, the doctor said if I wasn't so fat, I would have been a lot more hurt. Yeah, we didn't get nearly enough of that voice in the pod, wizard. Yeah, work on I might we do the whole that. quiz because God, <laughs> doggone it. I'm not going to win <laughs> anyways. So, All right. Uh, what do you got, Mary McCheese? Joke scene for you? Well, I mean, I've already stated my two when I was spending this time thinking if there was another one. I mean, I kind of appreciate two scenes. One, because it's a little jokey when you first find out he's a waiter because he's talking to not Fran Drescher. And then he stands up and goes over and like chastises that table where the guy's like, I want another double scotch. And he's like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, kinda... what, what a dick he is a shitty waiter i'd like to point that out right now Stuart is a shitty waiter oh yeah he basically tries to talk him out of all the food because it's not healthy and then tells him he's not allowed to drink more so in retrospect that got a smile out of me um and then the other one is i do appreciate the scene where the 
constant comedy B actors are trying to make Stuart drink at the bar. And Vincent finally like steps up and was like, no, leave him the fuck alone. Like that's an okay scene. That's a, that's a somewhat emotional, not emotional, but it's a good scene where like he finally it's starts. acting. 100% emotional. It's the older brother sticking up for his younger brother who has a problem. Well, like, I'm saying, I'm not saying well I'm he's scared of having a problem. He, he, Stuart doesn't drink. I'm not saying that I'm going to cry during it. I'm just saying like, that is a good scene to show that like Vincent D'Onofrio is actually coming to bat for um, Stuart Smalley instead of all the flashbacks we've seen where he's just laughing in his face because he's fat. Okay. So full disclosure, that's also my favorite scene in the movie because that seems like a scene from a better movie. True. Um, most, mostly because uh, Vinny D'Onofrio is fantastic in this movie. He really does. He he kind of carries it because he his character is one of the more expressive and vocal, and he does the absolute best with the shit sandwich he was given. Um, but I honestly thought he was Casey Affleck for most of the movie. I, <laughs> I, I kept waiting for Vinny D to show up. I'm like, that's really weird. Who's this Casey Affleck-looking motherfucker? Um, but anyway, no, but that was a good scene. And that was a scene that would have worked in a better movie. Like that was, you know, that was a good drama scene and it showed good interaction between the big brother, the younger brother. And it, yeah, it, it, it worked. It and worked. I'll end my comments with a, yeah, you're going to need it. The big thing is that Vincent D'Onofrio appears to be a real person. And Stuart Smalley is most clearly a character created for a two minute sketch. He's a Muppet. On that note, uh, did they ever make a church lady movie? Hmm, I don't think so. No, we just got Master of Disguise. No, yeah, I'm so, uh, sure there were ruminations about that as well. This, <laughs> to me, is is a church lady movie with a less compelling lead. <laughs> All right, so that, that actually brings me to my final question here before we get to trivia. Is this the shit movie champion? I would say yes, it is. There's nothing super redeeming about this movie. It's not funny, and it's supposed to be funny. At least Mario Brothers had some personality. It's super Correct. weird and overtly sexual for no apparent reason, but it's something. So I'm your main man. You can't spam. I have to remove. I, I have to remove myself since I actually haven't seen. Well, I don't remember the last time I seen Mario Brothers other than with UT Dubs, and I don't think I've ever seen Pluto Nash. So I'm gonna take a step out. I don't want to be part of this conversation. I appreciate your recusal, though that seems fair. Uh, I Listen, I am inclined to agree, but I still feel like Pluto Nash sucks worse than either of these two movies between Super Mario's and this. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I like the Mario Brothers movie, but... So, so here's the question, Captain Cash. You're stuck on an infinite loop between on a bus ride between Chicago and Minneapolis. Which movie do you want to watch? Oh, I mean, no question. It's definitely the Super Mario Brothers movie because there's at least stuff to look at and I can find other stuff to make fun of. There's not a lot that happens in this film, but it's I, a lot more human, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't I, think that makes it better. I will weigh in. I just feel, you know, as an outsider, giving you guys my opinion here, I feel like it's it's tough to give the shit movie champion to a movie that's so meh. <laughs> that's the point. Let's put it this way. If Al Franken wasn't in this movie, it'd be a no-brainer for me. The only redeeming thing in this movie is that I actually like Al Franken as a human being. 
The only so I have a hard time shitting on is great. Well, oh yeah, he carries the movie from an acting perspective. That's a personal bias, but I guess this is a bias too. There's only one of these films that has a Twitter account dedicated to the restoration of the Yopi, of the Yoshi puppet that follows us. And that's the Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. Yeah. So I, Mario Brothers, you have been dethroned. You no longer have the dubious honor of being the shit movie champion of the world. That honor has now been granted to Stuart saves his family. You Again, do realize... I was thinking, we still like you as a human, but yeah, you know what, what this is, say, buddy. Yeah, without, please come on the pod, Al With Franken. how much clout we have, you know what this is going to do to Al Franken, right? Bum him out for an afternoon, I guess? It's going to be a lot of Fig Newtons. I, I would say, he's, I would say he's probably never going to know. All right, go on. And Unfortunately, unlike the general proceedings, you didn't even get a trial, uh, Stuart Smalley, but you, <laughs> one day you'll have your day in court. Hey, just like the impeachment against uh, our fearless leader, this was rushed through because it was deemed to be urgent for national security. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, all right, listener. We all need to grab some Fig Newtons and another truth serum. Before we return for the competitive portion of the pod, up next is the Smalley Family Trivia Night Challenge. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. It's time for our Smalley Family Trivia Night Challenge. Oh boy. Standard format, gentlemen. Five questions, multiple choice. And tonight, you are playing for a copy of The Only Way Anyone Should Own This Movie on Home Media, a triple feature DVD pack released in 2007 featuring Wayne's World, Coneheads, and Stuart Saves His Family. Is that winning? Tonight, the chime-in phrase is, I hate you, Mom. Are we good with that? Yeah, I guess that works. Yeah, that'll. that'll I, I mean, are there other quotes from this movie worth exploring? <laughs> can Can somebody remember another quote we can use? Because, dear listener, I struggled mightily to find a quote for this movie that was like a punchline or one liner or something to use for this chime-in phrase. But the best I could do was Maya sees. I hate you, mom. No, I'm so gonna go with go the with super that. extended. I'm gonna go with the super extended. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. So How about this... we go with, gosh darn it, people like me? Okay, that works, yeah. That actually makes this gosh a lot shorter, like which helps everybody. Can I no, say, it's I hate you, Mom. All right, I hate you, Mom. I hate you, Mom. Let's, just, let's keep it dark and depressing, just like the okay. movie. Okay. okay. Question number one. Stewart's show is bumped from its noon time slot to 2.45 a.m., airing after what kind of infomercial? A. Lawn equipment, B, chef's knives, C, hair replacement, or D, teeth whitening. I hate you, Mom. That would go to Captain Cash. Hair replacement? That is correct. Yeah. That Damn is it. One like, point for Captain Cash. I would just like to stress to the listener that if you go back and listen to our other trivia, we're usually like it's it's about the making of the film or ephemera around the film. This is literally shit that is set on screen. That's how hard it is to remember this. There, there's nothing interesting about the production of this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Question number two. What was Little Stewart's name for the Ajax White Knight contest? Was it A, Sir Scrubs-a-Lot? Was it B, Sir Cleanington? Was it C, Sir Bubbles? Or D, Sir Cleans-a-Lot? I hate you, Bob. 
I'm sorry, but I believe that goes to Captain Cash. Ooh. Oh, fuck. I mean, it was Sir Cleans a lot, which that I, I I guess when it is revealed that the chosen name was Sir Lancelot is the one that won. That's kind of funny. Was it? I'm contesting that because I was in before him, I swear. Yeah, okay, but... Well, no, listen, that, you that was... get, like, 50 people to storm the Capitol, and we'll talk. Of Ajax? Yeah, no, that joke was not funny, and that punchline that you're trying to claim there, uh, all the setup to it was Stuart taking abuse from his family. That was a really weird scene. Yeah, okay. not great. Yeah, that's his, fair. His dad basically roots for him to fail, and then his yes. mom says, well, that was a better name. It's like, no, it wasn't, you fucking asshole. I know, Sir Cleanslot was perfect. <laughs> that, that's why it shot the moon and went back to being funny to me. There's nothing thematically appropriate about it, it, Sir Lancelot. No, and, and the fact that you think that's funny, Captain Cash, I question your concept of comedy now because that... I would deduct that, a point from him. If yeah, I, I, take a point. I, I, I almost want to, just so you're on, you're on thin ice here, Captain take two Cash. Take so, Okay, so two points. The, as it stands now... Captain Cash is in the lead with two points. And no, it's zero, zero, zero. Dicey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, if he has another strange comedic moment, that he'll be docked points. But that was a All warning. Right, that was a warning. Captain Cash okay. laughs to the documentary series on Netflix, Don't Fuck With Cats. Take the two points. Yeah. What? The that's butthole super, cut? That's super I was going to say, what, what about the butthole cut? No, that's a documentary about a serial don't, killer do who not, murders do cats not watch that. Do on not the watch internet. that documentary. Do not. I'm going to talk over you the entire time. Do not watch that fucking thing. It's awful. Yeah, um, I'm. I don't know what that is, and I don't think I want to know. So zeros, okay, Captain, zeros. <laughs> yeah, Captain Cash is in the lead, two to zero zero. That brings us to question number three. This movie gives us two Wayne's World cast members in minor roles. The obvious one is Kurt Fuller. Russell and uh, you know the smarmy uh, cable He's guy. He's always from, an asshole. Always an asshole from Wayne's World. Always. He plays the Smalley family attorney. Who is the other Wayne's World uh, cameo? Is it A, Mike Haggerty? Is it B, and that he's one of the cops? Is it B, Leslie Boone? That's Jody, the sister. Is it C, Shirley Knight, the mother? Or is it D, Julie Sweeney? A.K.A. Macy and or Pat. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that is not the recognized chime in. Uh, oh, just give it, it to him. <laughs> just, I'm going to go. I, I have to go with A. That is correct. Yeah. And I will allow it. It it was Mike Haggerty, one of the cops from the funeral scene at the at the uh, at the cemetery. He plays Davey, the guy in the diner that got fired. Do you also Wayne's world? Did you also recognize that I don't know what his role is, but the couple that steals the grave spot, he is from Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You will not make this putt, you jackass. <laughs> yeah. That that gentleman is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Shooter. I'll be at the Sizzler if you change your mind. Shooter. Much better. Okay. Movie. Well, that's one point for Mayor McCheese. So it's now two, one to zero. Thunderous Wizards, step it up. Just to clear that up, question: that Joe Flaherty, Mike Haggerty. No, no, no. I mean, the you will not make this putt, you jackass. Oh, okay. Joe Flaherty. Yeah, sure. 
Joe yeah. Flaherty. I saw I saw him show up and I'm like, where is that dude from? And then it clicked and I'm like, oh my god, that's the guy who fucking chastises him at Happy Gilmore. Yep. Okay. Question number four. Jackass. How many? <laughs> nice face, Jackass. Wait, no, is that him? That's somebody else. All right, that brings us to question number four. How many times does Julia Sweeney's Maya C character say sorry in the movie? Oh, oh Christ. Ugh. Is it A, 11 times? Is it B, 17 times? Is it C, 27 times? Or is it D, 36 times? And you got people like me. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's not the chime in. I said I hate you, Mom. That oh. goes to Mayor McCheese. 27. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Fuck. I hate your mom. Thunderous Wizard. I'm just going with 36. That is also incorrect. I hate Captain your mom. Captain Cash, would you like the two <laughs> remaining? 11. What, what, are the, what are the two remaining? The two remaining are A, 11 times, or B, 17 times. 17. I mean, I hate your mom. I'm going to go 17. That would be correct. Yeah. Damn I it. knew it was 17. Stupid. All right. Well, Captain Cash, you've now officially won the challenge with three points and one question remaining. So congratulations. But let's move on to question number five just for posterity. Let's not, but say we did. Oh, no. I'm afraid we're contractually obligated to finish the quiz. Question number five. After the success of Stewart's HCN show, he is given a pay bump. What does it translate into an annual salary? At that time, is it a twenty-seven thousand dollars? Is it b thirty thousand dollars? Is it c thirty-nine thousand dollars? Or is it d forty-five thousand dollars? I hate you, mom. I'm gonna take e. None of that is enough for the apartment he lives in in Chicago. <laughs> no, no, that's kind of the joke of this question. I like, know. it's a it's a s extremely small amount of money they're offering, even in the nineties. My actual. Go with the low my, amount. Go my actual answer is B. B, $30,000. That is incorrect. Would someone like to steal? I hate you, Mom. Mary Richie's. I go with A? $27,000. That is incorrect. It's C, is in cash. Damn You've got we two answers remaining. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the further option. Let's go $45,000. That would be incorrect. It was C. Really $39,000. I just it was like told you the answer. It was like $750 a week per not Fran Drescher. I just. Which seems like a, not a lot of money to be on a cable network. I'm not going to lie. Well, but yeah, like, what was it in Chicago, right? WPN or whatever went out everywhere in the 90s. WGN? WGN, thank you. I just. WNBC. <laughs> well, congratulations, Captain Cash. You have won the Smalley Family Premium Challenge. You have won a copy of the triple feature DVD, Wayne's World, Coneheads, and Stuart Saves His Family. Please enjoy it responsibly. I mean, I, I guess it'll be helpful if I put it in the trees near my house to scare away the woodpeckers. No, you're going to watch Coneheads. Watch times. Coneheads. It's the best movie we didn't do. And Wayne's World. Come yeah. on, just I do. Watch. Wayne's World itself is a pretty good film. Part yeah. time. Excellent. Yeah. So that brings us to recommendations. Um, and I'm going to go first because I'm selfish and I don't want you guys to steal my recommendation. And my recommendation, listener, is to not watch this movie and watch Coneheads instead. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, so very sorry. 
So, Listen, so very I, sorry. I feel like we can throw a blanket on that the same way we threw a blanket on Blues Brothers 2000 and Blues Brothers. Just watch Blues Brothers, not 2000. Watch Coneheads, not this. That's why I went first, because I stole it. Fine. Come up with your own recommendation. I'm sure The Expanse is having a crossover episode with DuckTales <laughs> soon anyway. Uh, listen, listen. Both of those things are operating on borrowed time. DuckTales is ending. The Expanse is ending next season. The Expanse is playing now. I think I recommended it. But instead, I'll recommend the thing that everyone knows about, WandaVision. Because I've seen it. And it's... I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've seen two episodes. It's fine. I feel like there's a lot of places for this to go. I don't know. That's what I absorbed. Uh, honestly, if you if you want to, like, if you're a fan of what might be happening with WandaVision, my actual recommendation would be check out the Vision series by Tom King that came out about three years ago. It's fucking nuts and great. Yeah, I, I watched the first two episodes as well, Captain Cash, and I will say this. Um, the show reminds me a little bit of like the x-files and just in the fact that there's obviously twin peaks, twin peaks there's there's something yeah. going on and oh every little detail might matter um there's I, literally a bova milk ad yeah oh going? my god oh god yeah yeah yeah. Oh no, it's listen, one of those shows listen, where you listen, don't, you don't know what's important, but it all might be important or it might wow. not. Be. You just wow. don't know. Wow. 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 I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. By a humanoid child named Bova. <clears throat> they put Bova milk in this thing. Oh, yeah. God, it's, it's weird. It's exciting. It's exciting. No, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, so far, it's not that weird. It, it's different. Which is fine. Okay, well, yeah, thank you for that stirring <laughs> stirring <laughs> recommendation. Okay, so it's it's all right. That's good. Uh Mayor McCheese, your recommendation. Uh if you like books and you like horror, um, I would suggest a book called Mexican Gothic. It's very good. Um okay. you can get it at most uh free libraries or you can buy it, I'm sure. Um, but that is, you know, you know, me, I love Stephen King and I love those kind of books and it's right up my alley. So I would recommend Mexican Gothic better than Dreamcatcher, the book. Um, I mean, do you want me to give you like a quick, like rundown of what the book involves or, I mean, it's, it's very good. It's very straightforward. It's mostly about like a semi haunted house. A, a, a girl goes to get her. It, it's based in, you know, Mexico. It, it is written by a Mexican writer. Uh, a woman goes to get her cousin who is sick, quote unquote. And as she gets there, she starts to unravel more and more about this house and the family that lives there and how fucked up and screwed up everything is. And it just kind of spools into this like uh, depths of insanity sort of logic. And it's very well written and it's a very good book and it's not terribly long, like a ton of this, the, the King stuff that I'm way into. So um, that's why I'm saying like, if you like horror books and you like something along those lines, that's what I would go with. No, very cool. Very cool. All right. Thunderous Wizard, your recommendation. Uh, my recommendation. Uh, well, I haven't watched a whole lot, but recently I started this show called Warrior 
which was is a show based in post Civil War, so 1870s ish, uh, San Francisco. And it's about warring uh, Chinatown gangs. It's a martial arts show. Uh, I, I it's pretty good so far. So I think if you like Deadwood, then you would like it. Nice. Uh, so it's like it's like martial arts Deadwood. Yeah, a lot of cursing, a lot of nudity, a lot of uh, angry people. But really well done, and a lot of awesome martial arts. So I guess that'd be my recommendation. Or, you know, since this is a movie featuring Al Franken, you could buy any number of Al Franken's books. Uh, Lion of the Senate, Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot, which, I mean, that still holds true today. Uh, he was He was a good dude, and he was a good senator, and he was a good comedian. And this movie is not representative of any of that. So, you know. Yeah. I, hey, you know, Thunderous Wizard, just because we didn't mention it earlier, not only is Al Franken a talented comedian, a great writer, and he was a hell of a politician, too. Um, a smart guy, for sure. But Harold Ramis, the late Harold Ramis. Yeah. It, 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 he, he's the guy that directed Caddyshack. You, you, you know, he, he's in Ghostbusters, like. He's done a lot of like funny stuff. Groundhog Day, like how he directed how? Animal House. Animal House, yeah, yeah, that's his first movie, right? Yeah. Um, like what? What the? I just it's it's baffling. This movie is bafflingly bad. Another reason it's the worst movie of all time. But there were talented people here, and they like literally somehow canceled out their talents and made a yes. fucking turd. Yeah. There has to be a background story of how this happened, because again. This had potential if done the right way, and it was not done the right way whatsoever. And wh- who owns that? Who owns that mistake? Al Franken, this is an open invitation. Reach out, tweet us, add us, contact us. We would love to spend two hours with you discussing the production and the writing. Well, it would take 30 minutes. Family. Uh, fine, yeah, 30 minutes, but yeah, two hours would be better. Um, yeah, because yeah, this is baffingly bad for the amount of talented people that were involved. I just have a theory. I've always had this theory. Uh, it's the Vince McMahon sort of theory where I'm not sure that, that when Lord Michaels is involved, things are better. It's like he's the creative. He, he's the the final cut. Lord Michaels like, oh, well, I know it's funny. So whatever. And. I think sometimes that handcuffs talent who understands comedy better than he does, which is the same thing with Vince McMahon and wrestling. Like Vince McMahon is famously bad at understanding what people want, but he has all the money and he controls all the assets. So he's in charge. So you're saying he's the anti Kevin Feige. Yes. Uh, whereas like Lauren Michael, Michael's the same way when you look at people who left SNL and then went on to have very great careers doing very, very funny things, they always do their best work when it's not related to an SNL property. You get Adam Sandler's probably, I mean, the most bankable comedic star arguably ever. Mike Myers, Wayne's world was a hit because that was his skit that he brought over from a different sketch comedy show. Yeah. So, hey, you know, I don't know. say that's what you will theory. about. No, that, that's an excellent point. There's probably a lot to that. And say what you will about Adam Sandler and especially his later career and his like recent like schlocky output. That dude has made a 
metric fuck ton of money. So he's laughing all the way to the bank. Well, with that being said, Thunderous Wizard, what do our listener or listeners, hi mom, have to look forward to on our next episode in the Hops and Saturday Night Flop series? It's Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. It's Wayne's World 2. Still funny, just not as funny as the first one. The worst one. With less meatloaf. (laughs) But more Chris Farley. That's That's true. true. Very true. Yeah. Okay. Well, folks, that brings our Stuart Saves His Family pod to a close. And remember, what they say is true. It's easier to put slippers on than to carpet the whole world. Take care, folks, and stay safe.